welcome to the first ever episode of Daniel's Tech World. This is a uh, podcast that is going to be um, a initiative that is going to build on, uh, build on and expand uh, another outlet for the uh, activity I'm currently doing under the Daniel's Tech World brand on uh, Medium.com and on YouTube. And if you go onto my YouTube account, you'll see a number of uh, recent videos on the subject of trying out these backups with this fascinating device that Synology sent me last week and I'm going to be talking about that in today's episode. Um, but what this podcast, the ground, the ground I'm going to cover, the things you're going to find in the forthcoming episodes are going to, uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, information here about Linux and open source, two big interests of mine. Also backup and data recovery, two things that um, I've been interested in for quite a number of years, uh, but only recently started writing about and talking about and I do think it's a fascinating subject, um, as well as general things in the realm of cloud computing and technology as I come across them in my day-to-day -day use and find things that I think are interesting and worth sharing on those various forums. Um, so that's that, who am I? My name is Daniel Rosell. I am a, a technology writer currently based in Jerusalem. And by technology writer, what I mean is I actually specialize in ghost writing, so most of the, most of the things I write about are not uh, are not byline they don't go out under my own name but uh i am recently doing a little bit more writing just to uh just for fun really to be honest uh just because i enjoy it um so what i want to talk about in this initial episode is network attached storage devices and as i mentioned uh as i mentioned there just in the just at the start i got uh, about two weeks ago um a nas from synology now, Synology reached out to me because I had been writing a lot of things about Linux and backups. And uh, to be honest, there probably aren't that many people that are really interested in backing up Linux computers. My reason, that the reason I'm interested in backing up Linux computers and backups in general, I back up everything in the cloud, uh, my hosting account. I take backups seriously. I don't want to say I'm a backup enthusiast because that sounds incredibly lame but uh, I am into backups, if you want to put it like that. And that is the case simply due to um, past experience with data loss. So you might be thinking this is, this is, uh, this is not the type of person we want to be here taking information uh, or listening to information about backups from. Actually, I find that a lot of people who are into backups are into backups for the same reason, uh, protecting data. When, when you use Linux and any Linux user knows this, um, the the operating system in Linux is fundamentally more unstable. It's both more stable and both more unstable than Windows and Mac OS. It's more stable because on a on an infrastructural architectural level, how the operating system is built is is actually more stable and is more security. However, um, when you look at stuff like uh, moving between rolling Ubuntu upgrades, for example, the non LTS long term support versions of Ubuntu there is a much higher chance that those upgrades are gonna brick something, break something, break the package manager, hardware compatibility issues. These are all constant threats uh, to deal with in Linux. So when you're, when you're looking at Windows 10, where you also have um, you know, much better, it's a much better funded ecosystem, the companies that are actually putting out software can spend more time debugging, QAing, stuff like that, that often Linux is a little rough and ready around the edges and buggier. Uh, buggier, buggier generally doesn't mean that stuff breaks stuff until, as I said, you do something major like upgrade the operating system. And in that case, 
you can find yourself down a horrible rabbit hole of uh, dependencies and uh, you know stuff that's just beyond repair and you do a fresh install I mean that was that was okay for me for a number of years doing this approach of expecting that every two years or so the operating system is going to break down and uh, your only way back at that point is a fresh install it just got more and more difficult as time went on and uh, life got busier and you're no longer a high school student playing around with your computer anymore you actually need something to be running in order to uh, you know do adult stuff like uh, get work done for clients on time so my solution to that uh, as a Linux person has been to take backup seriously and what that means is that if I do something like run a uh, latest release upgrade that ends up breaking my system I can rest assured that I will be able to get my system back to a previous point in time without needing to go through a fresh install. So I'll talk, I'll talk in another episode about Linux backups. I've, I put a lot of thought into the best way to back up a Linux computer. Uh, I have some documentation on github.com. If you go to github.com forward slash Daniel Russell JLM, you can find my repositories. My main repository at the moment is called Master Backup Strategy. And it's just a markdown file and some bash scripts and in that markdown file i've just explained everything i'm doing basically to back up as i said the desktop the cloud and sas now sas is a really interesting one because it's the one people never think about backing up sas being software as a service all the little things now <clears throat> in my diagram i've talked about major cloud minor cloud it's fake terminology i've come up with myself i've never heard anyone else discuss it what I do mean is like major file systems, you know, stuff like your cloud storage, your Google Drive, your Dropbox, your pCloud, the stuff that takes a gigabyte of storage in the cloud and which you can at least uh, copy and paste and archive that data because it's a file system, right? When it comes to stuff like SAS uh, and the examples I always give when, when people are trying to figure out what am I talking about backing up SAS, I'm talking about stuff like MailChimp, uh, Todoist, very simple examples. Todoist is, from a data standpoint, extremely lightweight. It's a task manager in the cloud um, that you know syncs syncs back and forth to your desktop, to your smartphone. It's just little text. CSV is what you get out of it. They don't give you the uh, they don't give you the media, but uh, that stuff. I mean, if you're using it every day for your business, or Asana or Trello, for example. Um, that stuff should be backed up because anything that's mission critical that you cannot cannot afford to lose, you'll be you'll be in a really bad place if you lose it. It should be backed up, and according to the three two one rule that guides all good backups, <coughs> excuse me, the backup should you should have two backup sources of every primary data source, two backup sources. Those two backup sources should be on different storage media, one from the other, and one of those two backups. In addition to being both being on different storage media, one needs to be offsite. Offsite these days, we're really talking about the cloud. It should be somewhere on the cloud. Now, you might be thinking, well, it's already on the cloud, isn't it? And the answer with Todoist would be that uh, it's not. It's, uh, that's not good enough. That's not three. That's not three, two, one. You don't know what Todoist are doing with your data, how they're backing it up, and you don't want to put your trust in them, even if you do, and even if you find out. They're doing a beautiful job because ultimately you do not have full control over those backups. And uh, a very good podcast I recommend I've just started listening to is the Restore It All podcast by Backup Central. 
they have an interesting episode on backing up SaaS, and they basically discuss uh, exactly why there, there, there are historical examples of SaaS providers, uh, including well-known ones, epically screwing up um, on the data protection front, and users are up a creek. And that's why it pays to keep your own backups, because you take control. Someone to do it, you'd want to be copying to another um, another cloud so that's what I do anyway I put one one copy locally I do this manually every three months and it's a royal royal pain uh, and that's because I have not found a good a good enough solution that will just take all my SaaS and get, bring in my own backups that would have to be done programmatically automatically so I have a very very sophisticated way of reminding myself to do that called a Google Calendar and I create appointments on my Google Calendar and every three months I say, it's time to do the SaaS backup routine. And I go through the list and I find my MailChimp and my Todoist and my Asana and etc. etc. And I just pull these guys down into an archive, give the archive a name, for example, Cloud Backups 0620, and then put that on the NAS, that's my on-site backup. And then I put that up to the uh, up to the cloud over there. Now this isn't very heavy stuff. The data itself is light, and this is obviously completely uh, completely manual. But I contend that this is better than taking no backups of your SaaS at all. Even though I also will not will be the first to say it's not it's not an ideal. It's not smart. It's not efficient. But it's what's what's currently what I can find. Uh, if I'm missing something, please contact me at danielrosell.co.il but what I I do want to talk about um, in this podcast is the um, DS920 Plus and I don't actually want to just talk about this specific NAS that Synology sent to me and as I said they did that because I'm into Linux backups and they said "Would, would you be interested in reviewing Linux backups onto our new NAS and I said well that sounds cool so it was cool and it was fun and uh, I have been uh, completely distracted from my uh, my my work and the process of running my business by this toy uh, for about the last week. I've just been playing around with so many different backups and it is really cool. Now what I want to talk about is why what's good about an NAS if you don't know what that is or you've never really thought about owning one. I to be honest never actually wanted to own a network attached storage device. I never kind of understood the need for it, to be honest. They're, they're not servers, but they are servers. Why wouldn't you just do, why wouldn't you just set up a server? So I can say that after using my NAS for uh, night and day for a few weeks, while I'm by no means an expert in an NAS in that short time frame, um, it has been enough hands-on experience for me to understand, compare and contrast with my experience in setting up local servers. So uh, let's 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 be positive. We need positivity in the world right now. Let's talk about why what's better about a uh, network attached storage than a server. So basically, I got this box uh, from Synology, and what's in the box is an Intel. I'm just looking at the spec sheet here. Intel Celeron J4125, four core, two gigahertz, four bays. That's important. Okay four gigs of ddr4 ram so that's not a lot and it says here expandable up to eight eight gigabytes now i think i've seen people um i've i believe there are aftermarket 
you know, you're obviously going to avoid the warranty, but you can you can modify the fans, you can modify various hardware components. In terms of what it does, uh, in terms of what it takes, sorry, it takes 3.5 and 2.5 inch drives. So I actually started off by putting in a 2.5 inch SSD um, just because that's what I had lying around. The day it came, it came in two days from Taiwan. I was not expecting that. So I hadn't got my, uh, I hadn't got my, gone out and bought myself my HDDs in time yet. But it also takes 3.5. Now, in terms of the hardware aspects of this, sorry, and there's two M2 NVMe. So that's that new super, super fast form of SSD storage that uh, in the, in the Synology, there's two little, um, two little bays at the bottom of the, of the device. And you just put in your NVMe's in there if you want to um in terms of getting stuff in in terms of the actual hardware and there's a couple of s, s uh, usb3 ports okay in terms of the hardware this is the first difference um basically it's like you just open up these bays and you just put in a drive now if you've put storage into a computer a desktop computer you know you know, you know the procedure you open up the computer you connect the electric cable from the PSU. You connect a SATA to the motherboard. You put that in the other end. So that's the first notable difference, I would say, is that it just makes it so, so simplistic. You literally just open up a bay. The Synology has these, you know, metal, sorry, these plastic uh, holders that are just perfectly molded. You put your drive in, you push that in, and then there's a little catch mechanism, and that's it. Installation complete. You even have a little lock to actually physically lock the lock the bay so that you know malevolent data thieves in the middle of the night can't uh, go in and uh, grab your grab your storage and copy it all with putting it back. I don't know what the actual purpose is. I presume it's something like that for phys physical access protection. Um, but uh, that's it. And now four four bays. What you can achieve in terms of four bays is pretty big. So I was looking through my local technology store, which is called KSP. Um, and I was just looking at how what what's the biggest capacity of hard drive on the market at the moment, and you can get sixteen gigabytes very very easily four times sixteen. Why did I put myself on the spot for mathematics on this podcast? Uh, four times sixteen, four times sixteen, twenty four and forty is sixty four. So you can easily get yourself sixty four terabytes of storage on your NES. Now, if you think about it, this thing basically allows you to create a data center. I, I, I am, I'm, I, I'm going to call it a data center, a small data center. To really make that the case, you'd want to put that NAS onto a UPS so that you have some backup power. You're not just relying on the power coming in uh, I, you know, at the mains. Um, but that's basically what that is. Now, you could do the same thing by setting up a server. But the first, the obvious difference is you would need to build a server. You would need to you know, it's just like building any computer. You need to you need to select a CPU. You need to build a case. You need to select a motherboard. You need to put in the drives. And every time you needed to put in the drive, you'd need to open up the computer and put stuff in the ports, etc., etc. It makes it so easy uh, when you just have this device and you can just pop in more uh, more storage. And I have to be honest, this I can see how this gets addictive very quickly because I guess like most people, when I'm backing up stuff. I'm always kind of parsimonious, not for financial reasons, but because, you know, there's only so much, uh, so much you can store in a computer. So I don't typically do things like back up 
every episode of a podcast. I put the, this podcast I'll put up on anchor.fm and you know I've never really bothered backing that stuff up it's like it's on Anchor they have it it's probably not going to go away I don't know how syndication works do the syndicated source copy the file if they do that's kind of like a backup now as soon as I'm finished recording this episode it's going straight on the NAS because why not I have so much more capacity at my fingertips than I could need now I'm going to talk about the next cool thing about the DSM for me which is really the cloud sync um, but that's kind of from a hardware perspective why an NES is better than a server or better than or you know it's easier than a server and it's the same thing it lives on the local area network um, it's designed to keep running all the time and this is one point of contention I have with the Synology is I did not find it as quiet as I hoped so basically I hate noise I, I definitely have some issue it's like you know I'm not going to I'm not going to self-diagnose on a podcast, but I have some sensitivity to noise. Certain noises really get under my skin. I'm not as bad as these people with full-fledged mis- misophonia, but I actually do not use hard drives, HDD at all on my computer just because the noise annoys me that much. Um, I literally have four SSDs, including uh, including two that I use for backup. And most people don't use SSDs for backup. There's actually a reason for that. Um <clears throat> But I do that just because the noise is irritating enough to me that I just prefer to minimize. So I was really hoping when I only when this uh, Synology came and I only had an SSD, I was like, well, this is great. I can see if it's silent. And if it's completely silent, I'll just go ahead and buy a few more SSDs. And that way I can keep this in my home office and I'll have this beautiful whisper quiet storage device. Fortunately, it did not work out like that. Um, there was noise there was noise coming from the fans coming from the ssd i don't know exactly where the noise was coming from i think the fans but it wasn't quiet enough and after i decided i've after i discovered that it was not quiet i gave up on the idea i kicked it out of my home office and um i bought hdd because if it's not going to be quiet enough for me to keep it next next to myself while I work then what's the point of filling it up with more expensive and more inefficient SSD storage when for backup you should be really using uh, HDD so that's what I did I went ahead and I stuck some hardware into it some hard drives into it Um, so that's basically that that was that was the point I was at uh, before I actually got around to checking out the the software on the NAS now, in terms of the software, and this is Synology specific, I can't vouch for how other uh, NASs go in this respect. Firstly, NASs are supposed to live on a, on an Ethernet connection. So uh, this has been a little bit problematic for me because of uh, interior design reasons to get Ethernet cabling out to some place beyond my home office where I, d- I don't have to listen to this run. Um, I believe that there are Wi-Fi Ethernet adapters that you can actually plug in you know a direct uh, a, a USB Wi-Fi adapter you can plug that into the back it's got two uh, USB 3 ports on this uh, the, D- the DS920 plus but you know you can just get a Wi-Fi Ethernet bridge and uh, put it in people will tell you that's stupid your NAS should be on a la- on an Ethernet connection I'm not sure that's totally stupid because you can reserve a you can reserve an IP address you know through your router very easily keep that stable and uh you know it shouldn't be if the wi-fi connection is good in around your house or you've got a mesh network 
shouldn't get crazy slowdowns just by just by putting it on a bridge. I'm not doing any insane data transfers here either. Or I'm not doing real-time data transfer. That's important maybe for me. I'm just doing backup. So I'm not streaming stuff out of the Synology, which might create more latency by putting that on a... Uh, on a weaker Wi-Fi Ethernet bridge, so I don't know. I guess it depends on your on your use case, but uh, I found it. I find it. Uh, that's my plan. Um, wake on LAN. Wake on WAN. Uh, okay, it's nice. And speaking of LAN and speaking of WAN, um, there's a cool thing on the Synology that allows you to access your uh, NES remotely without the need for port forwarding. So isn't that cool? So you don't need usually when you want to access your local area network from beyond the physical confines of your local area network. You need to set up port forwarding on the router and uh, you know that can entail various uh, difficulties as well. Um, somehow the, uh, somehow Synology, I don't, I, don't, I don't know and I don't care how they make it work, but it does work nicely. They give you this little login and you're able to get in to the NAS uh, from beyond the network. So that's the initial cool thing. Uh, I'm looking at the spec sheet again. We talked about CPU, memory options, external ports, the weight. Yeah, it's not that heavy. Size of it, um, yeah, it's, it's an attractive device. It's got four bays. There's a little LED light saying when, when a bay is active. You can even in, in DSM click uh, illuminate a drive and it'll say, here I am, it'll come to life. So that's cool. Um, Power, power. Uh, it just has an AC-DC adapter. Now, NAS is one of those things that to me really should be on a UPS. Uh, I have all my, I'm looking around my home office and what a, what, a, what a setup, what a setup I'm building here. I have everything, my router, my <clears throat> three screens, three screens. Did you hear? I have three screens. Those are on the uh, UPS, my desktops on the UPS. So it's all on the UPS. And uh, it's cool because when the power goes out, I can just, you know, keep, keep going. So the Synology in an ideal world, I think should be on an NES. I would have liked if it came with a tiny little UPS. I mean, I guess that wouldn't be practical, but it would be cool if they had some kind of a, a combo package that you could buy, um, you know, maybe some kind of UPS that would keep the thing running for, I don't know, 10 minutes uh and that was integrated that would be nice maybe it exists i couldn't uh i couldn't find it on their site speaking of speaking of their of synology's site and speak speaking of when this is out uh it's just gone live on newegg.com i'm talking about the ds920 plus but it's part of synology's bigger nas release for this year it was previously out in japan and in australia and i'm just going to see ds920 let's just go on to newegg quickly and um in case this talk has whet your appetite to buy one of these things. It's the kind of upgrade on the DS918 Plus. Uh, DS920 Plus, one, 1972, uh, US price, 573 uh, US dollars. Okay. Um, I'm trying to get back to my spec sheet. Okay, so storage temperature can survive in minus 20 degrees in case you store it outside in Antarctica. Um, now, in terms of the NAS, so that's basically what it is from a hardware perspective. You use this thing, Synology has this software called DSM. Now, 
bear in mind that this is my first time using an NES. I'm, I'm not talking about DSM for the perspective of a long-time Synology fan or an NES expert. Just as a guy that was like, what does this do? And what is, what is, how do you work with this? So how you work with it is there is this embedded operating system called DSM. And you just access that through your local network. So you go onto your local IP address, 192.... Put that into Chrome and you can see and because it's over the local area network if you've ever accessed a virtual desktop stored on a remote you know it's like the resolution can be iffy the latency can be iffy because it's just coming straight over the LAN no problem it's really really quick and in this DSM thing um, operating system you have a desktop and because this, this, this analogy is supposed to be always on, it's persistent. So you can move your icons around just as you would on a regular desktop, create shortcuts. And uh, it's very nice. It's very, very nice. And you can create user accounts and give people various uh, levels of permission, create admins, regular users. Um, now, in terms, of, uh, in terms of, of what you can do from DSM, so basically you can uh, stick in stick in storage media, stick in a new uh, HDD, SSD, NVMe, and you can actually format it. You can do this all. Everything can be done through DSM, forward it according to the file system you want. It supports BRTFS, EXT4, um, internal file systems. Um, so you can just go, I just literally stuck in disks, formatted them. Now, uh, let's talk for a second about RAID. Random array of independent disks. Some people say it's redundant array of independent. I, I, I've seen RAID spelled out both ways. I'm sure one of those is right, one of those is wrong. But um, basically, there's this thing called Synology Hybrid RAID, SHR. And then it also supports RAIDs 0, 1, 5, 6, and 10. Now you want to make sure you know what you're getting when you're putting in when you're formatting your drives and you're adding them to the NAS, because um, you can you can obviously when you look at when you look at schemas like RAID one for example you can see that a significant amount of drive space you're losing to uh, you know the, the the protection that RAID offers. You can do a RAID zero and a RAID zero is just it'll bundle the various physical drives into one logical drive and uh, but you won't have any you know you won't have any RAID protection against disk failure you won't actually have any redundancy so because because Synology oh and one thing just to point out quickly on that Synology has a nice RAID calculator so before you go out to the computer store and buy yourself some storage and you you want to have a target of I need four terabytes of usable data on the NES, you can go and drag and drop, uh, you know, gimmick hard drives onto your, onto your NES and you can see exactly how much you'll actually get for a given intake of data. And of course, the amounts will not be the same because of how RAID works basically. So uh, RAID, is, uh, RAID is a big thing with Synology. It's designed to work with RAID and now I have RAID working, which is very nice. And what that means for those that are not aware is that basically it can support, it, it can survive disk failure. Now there's different rate types, as I mentioned. Um, certain rate types are more efficient than other rate types. Some rate types require three drives, some require two, some require four. I'm by no means a rate expert, but if you get a basic level of rate going or you just use Synology hybrid rate, uh, you will be able to have disk failure. Now the number of disks that can fail 
and I'm, I'm using discs when I should be saying drives uh, because most of you were talking actually well most of you were talking about real discs was HDD but um, the amount of discs that can fail depends upon the RAID configuration that you have in your Synology. So the other cool thing in DSM, so that's basically setting up the hardware and setting up the uh, setting up RAID on it as well. But there is a ver veritable application library out there for you to explore. There's both stuff that comes in through the repositories and there's beta packages. And I believe you can also install your own packages onto it. Now, one thing I, I was not so keen on in Synology was the fact that Remember I said my reservations about it not being a server. Um, I just couldn't understand a server. As the more I use it, the more I, the more I do understand. Um, but, you know, it's a server to set up stuff like cron jobs, to have root access, to install programs would be simplistic. You are much more limited in terms of what you can do on DSM. They kind of lock you down into these packages. So you can't just go ahead and say, um, I want our clone on my set on to run on my dsm you can you can ssh into your synology from a computer on the network just you know open a terminal and ssh into it um but out of the box unless you do changes and i'm not going to go into those because i haven't looked at them yet but the way it's supposed to be used you're not able to just add packages over the command line because you don't have control over the actual operating system um, in that sense. You're supposed to do everything through DSM, like a good Synology user. And Synology clearly like their DSM very much. They have these apps that kind of feel like they're trying to create a Synology cult. You have apps to replicate a uh, chat exchange server and a document exchange server. I don't know if people actually use these things, you know, to me, I'm using this for backup. It doesn't really make sense to me to do anything locally that can be done on the cloud. So if I was going to use, if it's a toss up for me between using Google Drive that everybody uses and that I can exchange files with easily and it's standardized and it's ubiquitous and everybody knows about it versus installing some Synology Office thing on my NAS so that I can work, share stuff internally, I guess there's probably a way to, to access it remotely. But uh, I couldn't. I can't. I can't really see the purpose for that personally. In terms of cool, cool. So, so that's that's the that's the drawback for me is that to do stuff like set up cron jobs. You want to create a cron job on the on what on on the NAS as if as if it were a server. So you need to go into a thing called task scheduler. Task scheduler limits the limits the the, the how you can configure those options. So. You don't have that same level of control. Um, but in terms of the good packages I have, I'm looking at my DSM now. I have CloudSync, which I really do want to talk about. I have something called Active Backup here. I have Virtual Machine Manager, so that's interesting. So basically, you can actually install VMs, virtual machines, on your NES. And in terms of the virtualization that's, that's, that's making that happen under the hood, you have... Um, VMware Sphere 6.5, Microsoft Hyper-V, Citrix, and OpenStack. Those are the virtualizations that it supports. So the uh, the the exception to remember when I you know what I was saying that you can't do everything you could on an Ubuntu server. Uh, in fact, you could you could install a Ubuntu VM onto your uh, onto your onto your NAS, and then you can click on this nice button called Connect, and it gives you. 
it, it invites you into like a virtualized desktop again running through a local browser that's just how it works um you can also ssh but it's 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 nice so you actually can do stuff like that but you obviously would need to keep the virtual machine running in order to you know access it to have it do stuff like set up an r clone sync between two different cloud remotes so that's that's that actually brings me on nicely to the whole idea of cloud syncing and cloud remotes and uh that is one thing um um i actually basically yeah so for remote so cloud cloud sync for instance you have uh is synology's cloud sync tool so it's bi-directional sync to remotes now you can't do p cloud and so p cloud is a cloud storage i like it because it's really it works really really nicely with linux i've used google drive stream i've used mounting google drive via uh you know via via a mount system i have it mounted it's okay but nothing really works as nice as p cloud and they do have a linux gui so i always prefer to use something where you know the company is actually supported a tool it's maintaining a tool you don't need to do all these kind of hacks so I really like pCloud for that reason, primarily just because of the Linux stuff. But uh, pCloud, you can't get it in Synology. And you can see the pCloud community forums. People are trying to figure out um, how can you do that. It does, it's, not one of, it's not one of the remotes you can set up in CloudSync. So th these are the kind of things where I'd say a server, I can just build a server. I can install our clone onto a server. I can add pCloud as a remote. I can add a B2 bucket from Backblaze at another remote and I'll just create a nice cron job. Very simple stuff, keeping stuff moving between the two. That's the kind of thing that Synology makes difficult. And uh, so the pros and cons, main pro being it makes it really easy. In Package Manager, you can say, I'm looking at Package Manager now, they have a package for an email server. So you go install. It's like using, it's like going to the Google Play Store. Yeah, I'll take that app. Web server, yeah, cool. I'll put one of those on, as opposed to on the server, you know, on a regular Linux server, configuring a web server and Apache and whatnot. So that's that's the pro and that's the con. Um, really, let let me let me finish this episode by talking about uh, Cloud Sync. Okay, so basically Cloud Sync, when we're doing backups, let's come back to the three, two, one rule for a second. Three, your your data, two copies, two different storage media one off-site so it's important when you're backing stuff up um to keep an on-site copy now i've i've tried i'm transitioning over to moving my moving my linux desktop backups the ones i told you about that are so valuable to me because i never want to reinstall linux again moving those off my computer and onto the nas um I, so basically take all your local backups onto this but then you want to put them up to the cloud and you want to do that because you want to have an offsite copy. So basically, Cloud Sync is basically just does that. Basically, you choose a public cloud to sync to. So it gives you this choice of different clouds. And I use Backblaze B2 because they are very low cost um, clouds, object storage space designed for backups. Backblaze is, a, as the name kind of suggests, is a really a, a backup specialist. And they do they do actually have a full a full product you know uh, uh, a software for actually backing up your machine onto their cloud or you can just subscribe to their cloud service they have in terms of more consumer oriented stuff box google drive dropbox um 
they have S3 very importantly. They have WebDAV, so you can actually point it to uh, give it a give it a web a WebDAV host such as your own own cloud and tell it, hey, put put my stuff up there. So basically, you go ahead, you connect a remote, and you run syncs between your various folders, and uh, they're created as volumes on your Synology, and you can do uh, download only, you can do push to remote, or you can do bi-directional sync. So you have all those options available to you. Um, one final, two two final apps I thought were cool. Download Station is kind of a bit like UGET, if you're familiar with multi-thread download managers in Linux, and um, allows you to simultaneously download a few different files, and etc. so that's nice. Um, and you have this active backup for G Suite, and that does what it says on the tin, you can, um, it's a little bit of a tricky setup process, 15 steps, you need to go into the admin console, then into Google Developer Tools, you need to set up a project. This is all at the time of recording, so um, that's that. But uh, you basically, um, you can go into Active Backup and pull stuff down and, um, and then you can go ahead and do that. Um, so what's Active Backup does and how this bleeds into the whole, the, this explains well, I think, why Synology is a nice device. Trying to set up an active, trying to pull, trying to set up a incremental uh, G Suite pull, a daily pull of your G Suite stuff onto a server would be kind of messy. You'd be you'd have to figure out how can I get this down? Can I R sync to G Suite? No, you can R sync to a Google to R clone. You can R clone to a Google Drive, but you can't R clone. Not, not that I'm aware of, into an organized G Suite remote and pull down the calendar and the contacts. But Synology have this app, so they have their own utilities, their own software being provided with your with DSM. If you have DSM, you get these. So it's not just a hardware device. You're getting this. You're getting their software on, on top of the hardware. Uh, it's not licensed. It's a you know it's a it's a it's a yeah, it just comes with it. Um, so that's another big advantage. And then you can take that G Suite data and then you can use Cloud Sync to push that up to another cloud to B2. And then without really doing much in the way of fiddling with code and jobs, you've created for yourself that on-site backup living on the NAS and your off-site backup living on a second cloud. And that has given you three, two, one compliance. There you go, guys. That those are my thoughts on the uh, the the NAS world. What NAS is do? My first impressions of the Synology DS nine twenty plus. What I think about it. Um, to really kind of summarize summarize my thoughts. Would I go? Would I go out and buy another NAS versus a server? Uh, I actually would. I have to be honest. I'm. You see, when you're trying to figure out how to do things on an NAS. You just need to figure out how to do things on the NES. You have all the stuff that's easy to do, you can use without needing to figure things out. If you run into problems like R-Clone and P-Cloud and how can I make that work, you can then think about that. But you have the system set up. Uh, now, if you're looking for the best hardware that your money can buy, it's definitely not efficient. You would be better off just building your own on-premises server. I tend to think that on-premises, everything, including servers, including even NASs, are on the way out. But for backup, um, for backup, I think it remains a very, very important use case. So I can definitely see myself using this for, for keeping on-site backup copies for many years to come, 
expanding expanding my local capacity as far as I can. Take it with four four bays. I'm probably you know even going up to four bays. I can see myself keeping sticking with this uh, uh, this ecosystem for a while. Maybe not Synology, maybe someone else, but definitely I'd give it a recommendation if you're you know if you're looking to keep good on-site backups. I can't speak to how it is to do Netflix. That's pretty easy. You just mount it onto your Linux computer and you download Netflix to the Synology, use download station. That stuff doesn't need explaining, but it is a good device. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you feel like getting in touch for whatever reason, uh, my website is danielrosehill.co.il. Rosehill has got two L's and it's all together. Daniel Rosehill, one word, no spaces, no hyphens, nothing. .co.il. Thank you very much for listening.